0: You are listening to the SNC Podcast, a podcast featuring conversations with Nigerian music producers, songwriters, audio engineers, music executives, and creators. I am Folashade Anousie. Our guest today is Akiyemi Ayin-Oluwa. Aki is an entertainment lawyer based in Lagos, Nigeria, and he also runs a consulting agency called Sage. We discuss the prevalent issues in the Nigerian music industry, strategies music creatives can incorporate to ensure that they do not get ripped off in 2018, and music trends to watch out for in 2018. Welcome to the show, Aki.
1: Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing okay.
0: Are you sure? Ah. I'm a good kid, huh? oh, I'm oh kakob. <laughs> we'll try. By the way, congratulations. Thank you. got engaged. Oh, are we gonna? You're not engaged. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Your fiance is not like that. So like every, know. Everybody knows that. Well, you know, wow. It's a good thing. It's a thing <laughs> of joy. It's a thing of joy.
1: <laughs> I mean, Can you give me like a rough estimate of people tuning
0: or the podcast? So well. people
1: will know that I'm engaged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> We're looking forward to the wedding. Well, it's around the corner. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Looking forward to that for you. Congrats to you and your fiancé. Thank now, you. Now, for those who do not know you, you are a lawyer. Yes. So I can am. you give us a brief background about how you got into law?
1: Well, the major influence would be my dad is a lawyer. And um, I think growing up, I was much, I was quite active, talkative. I used to talk my class too, so it was only natural for people to... I always pointed out that I'll make a good lawyer, and which is something traditional. Everybody wants a lawyer, a doctor, and uh, an accountant in the family. So, and as the first son, I think um it was easy for my dad to convince my le- um uh, my lesson teacher and my other teachers to just point me in the direction of being a law student, being a lawyer ultimately.
0: And why did you choose the field of entertainment law as opposed to corporate or litigation? Where did that interest come from?
1: I think um, everyone says they started discovering their passion from a young age. For me, since I can remember 6, 7, um, I've always liked the idea of being an entertainer, like a singer or an actor. So I was in the choir since like 6, 7, up until my teenage years, before going to the university, so... From secondary school to, uh, that was the era of um, plantation boys, miming Remodies. all the songs, <laughs> trying to be cool in school, singing, trying to impress the ladies. <laughs> that was like the starting block yeah. to stand on, mm-hmm. to um, solidify the interest. You know, in expressing yourself, I found that as a, as a medium, singing and acting. Okay. So that was what felt the passion for. Being an entertainment lawyer, a lawyer who works in the creative industry. In school, in uni, in a lag, I attended the University of Lagos. Every other thing apart from studying was about being an entertainer, singing, writing songs, trying to be cool. Because I wouldn't consider myself as a rich kid or any other avenue didn't afford me the opportunity to express myself. So music was that uh, medium. So I stuck to it. And the high point for me was in when I was in year three, I Got to perform at the Future Awards 2007. Are you
0: serious? Yeah, same stage.
1: I wanted to be like R. Kelly or Donald Jones. Yeah,
0: before you go on, drop some harmonies,
1: baby. Put your mind into a song. Imagine that we're all alone. Two years, and my friends are gone. You and me getting it done. Uh hey every now and then if you follow me on social media i say try to show off are you
0: serious i got it (laughs) (laughs) that's cool what was your
1: stage name a-K-Y.
0: A-K-Y. A-K-Y. Wow. aky the
1: whiskey. I swear <laughs> that man. Are you serious? A K Y, the whiskey. The whiz. That's W H I Z. Okay, what's yeah. your name. But there's a whiskey now, so Wait, <laughs> I can't. I can't even try to use that name. Yeah. Now.
0: So when did that? Um. When did you decide that that passion or interest had to be put to the side to focus more on?
1: Yeah, law? man. When I was resuming in law school, Abu Jabwari, I had a very, very deep conversation with myself, like. I'm going to be 23. Do you still want to chase this dream of being the next R. Kelly or do you want to just try to be of help to the next generation of creative? And I was just trying to look at examples of people who make the stars. And the funny thing is, what also opened up that avenue for me to think in that direction was um, when I was in year four or five, I was trying so much to push my music, but I couldn't get the right platforms or the right people around me. So I stumbled on a story, I think an interview of Aldo Maikuri and all those things it was saying just pointed in the direction of maybe someday I could own a record label or, or I could be an entertainment lawyer. So I think the idea just started sprouting like a plan B. If I'm not going to be the star, I should be able to still work in that space to help. So immediately I go into law school. I just stopped everything being a musician. So my mind started tuning into being a great lawyer and being a lawyer that can work with other creative people and, you know, take them from A to B and help them. And you also,
0: in addition to that, you also doubled as a talent manager. Yeah. Can you talk to us about what it was like managing talent and also just navigating the Nigerian music industry?
1: Yes. Upon qualifying, I had uh, a full year to serve. You know, the NYSC scheme and um, that afforded me the opportunity to just try to think what the next step is. I was reading a lot of books on self-discovery and uh, an idea just popped up in my head like to be a part of this community, there has to be a ladder or something to get your leg in the door. And for me, um, I went back to my roots. I had like somebody I used to look up to as a musician. And I still respect him a lot. And I still work with him. Dito Martins. And uh, the book I read then gave me the idea that if you want to venture in any area and be like the go-to guy there, you have to do so much work for free. Render the best service you can and work tirelessly to get the results. And people are watching and they would actually come to ask that you replicate it for their own benefit, then you can charge. So everything I did upon qualifying as a lawyer, I was smart, I was on the streets, I was well-dressed. I just thought that, well, I could help to advance his career as a musician, trying to be a talent manager slash publicist. And just to start that movement for him, I recorded a lot of milestones. And I think that is one strategy any lawyer interested in entertainment can also use. Just diving headlong, try to be useful in that community. While moving up and down, you get to meet a lot of people, build their own contact. Then people will know that you are special somehow like, Oh, you're different from these other guys that do the same thing. So that was my um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really plan it though. Although I read about it. What
0: book did you read? What book, what book? Um, How
1: to suck a Boss, actually. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was like the manner for me. Trying to chase your dreams, you know. From the get-go, I didn't want to be any kind of lawyer. I wanted to be a different kind of lawyer. I wanted to enjoy everything I was doing. Because I was working with two law firms at that time. And I didn't aspire to be any, any, any of these guys. They were great, but they were just not my kind of lawyers. I think the book... It has a lot of great nuggets to, you know, help you map your roots and how you navigate.
0: And what challenges did you face in managing Deton?
1: No one is going to give you a free pass, especially when the talent is not that big. As a talent manager, you have to be the stand-up guy. You have to be ready to bring down doors. You have to be innovative. I remember that's how I met you too. <laughs> that's how you met what? You. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, the semen movement. Yeah. You know, you have to be up early, trying to connect with people on social media, at events, you have to be nice guys, smile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't want to smile.
1: You have to, man, it yeah. comes with the terrain. So I think that was what we started and um, I kind of transitioned into something else for me.
0: So now you're focused solely more on the legal side as yeah. opposed to being an talent manager. So can you talk to us briefly about the legal issues that you see on a regular basis as it relates to the music industry?
1: Okay, let's start with the popular one. Artist labor relations. Every other year, every other day, there's a trending story of um, a musician fighting with working out on contracts, issues of disputes, issues of accounting, issues of investing in money and losing money. I think that's the, um, that's the biggest example of legal issues that people do also i understand that a lot of people are very very passionate about their craft and they don't read the fine prints they just dive in headlong into the relationship there is no option to negotiate or to even understand where you're getting into mm-hmm. and there's also the issue of um you know small businesses and debt a lot of people do work for free and you can't operate a business it will never sustain your craft if you are always going to work for free or people owe you money. There are instances where, like my clients, they call me, tell me stories of how ah, we paid, blah, 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 blah. Even the example of dami Crane, paying people to do promotions, even paying Trace TV. And they didn't deliver, and that became the Promotion. trending topic on social media. So that is very rampant. So one can assume that people, for whatever reason, are being fraudulent. Then a lot of people are not in the know you know, the value chain. So most of the songwriters, record producers, they always end up with the short end of the stick when they deal with talents or singers or performers. And at the end of the day, they help mold their careers. But somehow, a year, two years down the line, they start grumbling like they were not treated fairly. You figure that the musician is so big they are now way, way out of reach. Mm-hmm. The producer that was central to helping Success. to, yeah, yeah. yeah. helping yeah. to start the motion is yeah. nowhere to be found. So I was the guy who was there with you mm-hmm. when you were nobody in the studio. Yeah working around the clock to make something happen and immediately something happened immediately the gongwa saw. so you leave l- l- the examples yeah you know
0: uh, now before you go into that i wanted to talk about with this producer okay. and you know an artist becomes successful thing like you you talk to a lot of producers uh, i talked to a lot of producers as well and we talk about the issue of producers enforcing um split sheets and enforcing person that they ensure that they get royalties yeah now one of the issues that they raise is that in the nigerian society especially within the creative industry once you raise the issue of a contract people just blank out or you say talk to my manager about split sheets or whatever or my lawyer people just check out so how would you recommend that like you said let's even say it's an upcoming producer you want to get your name out there but you don't want to get the short end of the stick. But at the same time, if you are here enforcing royalty split sheets, but then there's someone else who's willing to give out, you know, free production, you get the short end of the stick. So how would you um, advise a producer or songwriter to ensure that even though it's your friend that you're producing for, you're writing for, this is business. Dot your eyes and cross your T's. So speak to us <laughs> about that.
1: Yeah, I think um if you take care of business, yeah, business will take care of you in the long run. I understand that a lot of people are very, very aggressive with trying to build a brand get their names out there tagging along with the right brands when i say brands the right superstars or people who are in the spotlight you want to associate with them at the same time you can easily tell you're a creative professional and you understand the business you might not get the fame you might not be popular and everyone is singing your praise or anything but you can actually be the guy making money because you understand that creative works have a lifespan of it you know of their own for your lifetime if you negotiate properly you can benefit from everything you work on even when you are gone your kids kids mm-hmm. kids your
0: estate is for like 70 years yeah.
1: and even when you collaborate with people there's how you can negotiate that you can benefit from the exploitation the commercial exploitation of that work so if you understand the business you're not thinking about it now. You're thinking about the long term. And actually, if you put your feet down, people would understand that, oh, if you really want to get the best. I think that means you have to really, really work extra hard. You have to be extra committed to your craft so that people know that, oh, although this guy is very business-minded, but you'll get the best. Yeah,
0: the value
1: so you can't you can't be mediocre like the rest of the people just you know, looking at the now. You have to put your feet down because if you're able to stick to your guns for like two years, and do everything the way it should be done. If you're ready to look at examples of people who have been able to put their feet down and say this is business, I know how to invoice, I know how to negotiate, I know how to track my catalog, I know how to keep records of everything I'm working on, I know how to deal with my management, I know how to deal with my split sheets and my contract. People will come around eventually even when you're starting it might look like you you're too serious or too stuck up on doing things the old-fashioned way but really Five ten years down the line, you don't just want to be cut off your work. They're going to be assigning every interest in your song. It should be for good money. Just don't do it for free. I have examples of instances where people don't take care of business, and along the line, down the years down the line, you don't have any leverage when it comes to you doing the business of your work. So I think from the get-go, you should. Covert uh-huh. that posturing of I do business the right way,, yeah. and people would know you for that, yeah,
0: and like you also said, do not if you're going to be enforcing all these things that people seem to be averse to, ensure that you're bringing the utmost value to the table.
1: no to worry about that, yeah. you can't be mediocre like the rest of the guys that don't ask for anything, they just send bits, no documentation, no agreement whatsoever as to who does what a-, a lot of them should understand that as a record producer, a songwriter. You're a co-collaborator. So that means you guys own interest and you should be able to control interest in your property except when you totally assign all your interest. Uh When you document it and and you say, okay, pay me a one-time fee. I'm not going to bother you about other areas of uh, compensation that should come to me as a co-collaborator. Something I always recommend is if you think we're in our only two cocoon in Africa or Nigeria, we should all you know have examples of people doing things in our industry we should have models that we aspire to because even this whole artist producer skirmish or wahala is not peculiar to nigeria even outside of nigeria a lot of producers have problems labels and management but at the same time there are people who are already doing it well also every other day try to get better at doing business even as lawyers i'm not the most brilliant or whatever but at the same time i i try as much as possible to get better with doing business every other year because trust me there will be people better than you are as a producer but the best thing is to be the best at doing business so years down the line are still relevant
0: i think it's also important to underscore the fact that you said that don't get caught up in trying to be famous
1: yeah famous is not money it isn't man. you know I'd rather be you know wealthy than (laughs) because the fame could be oh that guy used to be the guy Mm. man you you don't want to be that guy used to be the guy you want to be the guy that is able to pay your bills raise your kids be happy because there's that fulfillment that comes with my craft is actually paying the bills I'm able to from being a record producer slash songwriter I'm able to live well with my kids Mm. not just oh it was famous in the 80s and the 90s but now oh we need money for blah 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 no
0: and use your lawyers don't just yeah the smart
1: ones actually understand that i'm aware that don Jazzy doesn't take prisoners with lawyering up a lot of these brilliant people know that the people you listen to for legal advice people whose opinions matter with what you own when you work in this space those people actually go for yeah. Now,
0: you touched on something in the prior conversation about the proliferation of label and artist disputes. Yeah. Can you speak about how, obviously, you don't want to wreck a label, but just based as your experience as a lawyer, how do you think those issues can be avoided?
1: Yeah, I think from the get-go, there should be opportunities for negotiation. Let there be a meeting of the minds. What are you expecting from this? What am I expecting? What works for you? What works for me? Because I've I have um, witnessed instances where I'm working for a client and he's telling me what he wants and what they tell me is please I beg Baba make you favour me and I'm and I'm thinking man this thing has to be win-win for the two mm-hmm. sides and sometimes when the artist is trying to really be a part of the conversation to negotiate most of them just walk off like oh Baba I'll not do it again why is he asking for blah 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 and I tell them it is important that their contributions from the artist to the deal. So you understand from the get-go that we're working together to move from point A to B. But if you are just not going to give them a chance and you think everything has to be done according to your own dictates, you're making a mistake because years down the line, the humble, sober-looking young guy you met would grow wings, will be more connected, richer, and in a better position to challenge some of the provisions in your contract. So why not just look past you gaining all the advantage on that deal and try to split it. like It's a win-win for the two sides. Yeah. Let them contribute. You contribute. If it's not something you can accommodate, you let them know, this is what I have in store and I hope you're able to meet me have for a less compromise to go forward. Again, if you allow that, you would also understand the importance of them also seeking legal advice, leaning on professional advice to help come up with a document that regulates your, inter- your, your relationship. Another thing would be in a deal, in a contract, there should be allowance for dispute resolution because there would always be instances where with bop heads, there's always that friction from time Mm -hmm. to time. But the ability to deal with that will be a deciding factor to how profitable the relationship will be on the long term. So I think those two things are very key. Also, transparency and accountability. Although we understand that most of the time, a lot of this money is that... Investors or record labels spend is not well. Um, Like you spend a lot of promotion money that you no can't, can't really, really track. can't really track. But at the same time, if you're able to, everything that comes in as income is well documented. You subject yourself to audit from time to time, and you allay the fears of one party cheating the other. Mm-hmm. Or even most of the time, even this talent, they go behind the back of the label to do shows. They don't give Remit the money. Yeah, they don't give information. That. Some of them even collude with media personalities, with show promoters. They corner money. And now you know all these kind of behaviors would undermine the trust that is supposed to cement the relationship. So I think those are the key yeah, things that yeah. they have to pay attention to. Yeah. Because when these labels part ways with the cash cow, the big talent, most of them are disillusioned. They can't start again from the scratch mm-hmm. because even it takes a lot to announce, to develop an artist, announcing them, helping them to cultivate a brand, helping them to launch career it is quite capital intensive so if if i lose out on on the first talent i might not have what it takes i might not be enthusiastic i might be disillusioned i might just retire from i just pack up my bags and stop
0: yeah you mentioned that one of the things that made you go into entertainment law was the fact that you wanted to use your talent and your skills to um, leverage and create platforms for other people to thrive, especially people in the entertainment field. One of those platforms is, you call it the creative industry narrative. Yeah. Can you speak to us about that?
1: Yeah, the creative industry narrative is the is buzzword or the hashtag that I'm trying to amplify the message that I've been advocating for years. I think besides oil and gas, an industry with potentials that could catapult the fortunes of Nigeria is the creative industry. Uh, the industry that houses um, architecture, craft, fine arts, photography, filmmaking, music, broadcasting, media, digital, IT, publishing, music publishing, and the likes. So I'm thinking we have a lot of talented people in Nigeria there. With little support in yeah. infrastructure, they can play on the global tough. We're already doing fantastic in uh film, music, comedy, even in IT, a lot of people are creating softwares and yeah. other products that are revolutionizing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: emphasis uh, on that revolutionizing yeah. yeah
1: because i think the biggest ambassadors we have in nigeria are the culture ambassadors mm-hmm. the whiskers, kids uh, the videos the akian popos, you know and i think in as much as we've been able to attain um, a level of success there's still a lot to be done mm-hmm. maybe we have just 30 musicians really making that money or really earning foreign exchange for nigeria maybe we have just two three production houses really killing it imagine the wedding party two was showing in um netherlands was showing in the uk you know has been showing across cinemas in africa so we need to replicate that on a larger scale and i think one of the starting points will be creating the narrative that people should pay attention this is what we are doing presently and this is what it could be and uh, I'm more particular about educating people, telling that story, trying to reinforce it, especially amongst the young guys, the ones on the come up that, you know, that is all they have. Yeah. If we are able to show good examples, they would also keep the fire in their belly burning. Yeah. That it is, able, it is something that we can achieve. Yeah. It is able to win more foreign exchange, it is able to help develop the industry here, that we're able to create businesses that can sustain lives create employment, contribute to taxes that we pay to the state government and yeah. all, all of that. I can imagine if if there was a report on how much was generated by imagine entertainment, it. tourism activities in Lagos yeah. in December, the, I just got back money, yeah. <laughs> the, the nightclubs, yeah. the shows, the film, uh, you know, the cinemas and, and the likes. A lot went down and I'm thinking with this creative industry narrative hashtag, a buzzword will be able to document it that look at what we're able to do. Whiskey was in London, now is in Jamaica, now it will be at Coachella. Next tomorrow is it is gonna be in Kenya. Because I think there's a wave, Afrobe wave. We are looking at Jidena, looking at these guys. And trust me, I think we are yet to scratch the surface. Three five years down the line we'll have more people in that space. The young people we are able to inspire now. We're able to educate, we're able to touch now. We're able to teach. We'll be the guys doing it on the larger scale. Mm. So now, if we're doing 80,000 pounds, if we're doing 2,000, 3,000 people, and we'll be able to do 10,000, 15,000. So the industry gets bigger yeah, bigger yeah. and bigger. Yeah. So primarily, what Creative Industry Narrative is, as an initiative of consulting company that I co-founded, is to keep telling the story of what is possible. That is, I think, a major attraction to also... Generate traffic to what we do as a consulting mm-hmm. firm.
0: And that, that consulting firm is called Grace Age. Grace Age Consulting, okay. yeah. I think you kind of touched on a couple of points. And just, I guess, in my head, just different things were just going off. It's like, when you were younger, did you watch this um, TV show called Go Gay Africa? of course everybody, yeah, did. I know. everybody did it was such an amazing show yeah. you know yeah. so it's like Are they still on though i just haven't seen it in a while well, obviously I, I don't live in nigeria that frequently yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah but i know that when i was younger i used to watch that yeah, and i just didn't know that was sure show then. i know i think,
1: I, I, I think although I, I stopped watching tv like i used to so
0: it just kind of took me back to that whole narrative like you see african yeah, african in new light. Exactly
1: people, exactly people experience africa in a different way exactly
0: now, just to kind of trickle back to the issue of producers and songwriters and the issue of contracts and royalties and split sheets. Okay. A lot of times you hear people talk about the fact that the publishing industry in Nigeria is not that well developed. And also, the, from a legal perspective, the laws have not caught up with the need, with the fact that we need um, publishing laws to ensure that people are getting their just due. Can you speak as to how, I guess, the government can step in and ensure that Maybe we can, how, how would we go about passing these laws to ensure, you know, to ensure that producers and songwriters are protected?
1: Okay, I know that a lot of people just assume that we don't have laws. They just think they can always take advantage of other people. But I think even at the barest minimum, there are laws in place that when anyone creates... Their own copyrights. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at film. I'm looking at music. When you're talking music publishing, you're looking at music, mm-hmm. musical works. Now, when anyone writes or comes up with a melody or records, it comes up with sound recording, there yeah, are different rights that are cool. Now, if I created a song in the 70s in the 80s, as a songwriter, as a as a music producer, even a composer, a composer or mm-hmm. arranger, mm-hmm. sometimes I still retain all those interests in the song. Now, music publishing is the foundation in the sense that you have to write songs. Now, when you come up with a framework, different sets of people can use your melody, use your lyrics, and replicate it, create derivatives. Mm-hmm. So if I created a song in the 80s or 90s and somebody's coming in 2030 to use my work. Same thing I created yeah. then, by law, by the Nigerian law in place, I still have the right to stop them from Damn. using the works I created years ago. Yeah. So the framework of music publishing would be the one to ensure I get paid in some way, maybe via licensing or the sampling of my work. Then there's that format that people can record, create different versions of the original I created. So that's what music publishing is about. Now, in Nigeria, we don't have statutory provisions like we have in the u.s that people don't necessarily have to give permission there's a statutory rate if i forcefully take up someone's song that was created 50 60 years ago Mm -hmm. and i create a new record and it's in the album there are statutory mechanical rates that i have to pay as long as it's not the public yes so those are compulsory systems or schemes that have been put in place even if it is tidier to go through the publishing company that owns the interest in the song to get the license and sort the split sheets and the publishing. But again, in Nigeria, there isn't any kind of uh, legislation that, you know, that caters to that kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. So now in Nigeria, you're left at the mercy of maybe trying to trace who owns the interest in this song, Mm -hmm. if I can do mine. So I think think that's something that we should try as much as possible to lobby the National Assembly to cater to. And also with the improvements in um, technology, digital um, distribution, although most of the distribution platforms we have are in in the okay, U.S. Okay. and Sweden, Spotify and the rest. Uh-huh. So most of the time the laws in these other places applies and we can't say... We can't get protection under these under these laws in place already, and we think we can always profit from the regime already in place. Because, like I say, music is an international business that you're putting in a small corner in your room in Lagos, but you're making money from sales across the world. So, if there's anything I would try to push as a lawyer and then in the space to be a case of helping to have a more structured music publishing industry, because that will guarantee that. The oldies, those hits of Mm, the 80s, 90s, 70s, 70s, these people who own interest in those works can still continue to enjoy revenue or, you know, enjoy proceeds from the works they created 50, 60 years ago. If we're able to develop that industry, the people who are reigning now, who are creating original works, 30, 40 years down the line, they can also have their works brought up to speed with the the fashion of the future or what is customary then. And they can also keep earning royalties. Even their kids, even their estates get to benefit.
0: Now, in wrapping up, what advice would you proffer to producers and songwriters in order not to get ripped off in 2018?
1: I think um, they need to pay attention to doing the business properly. Some of them, especially the young ones, should get mentors. If you're not really, really experienced, you should. Connect with a more experienced producer to show you the ropes. Don't be too proud. Don't let pride and or ego get in the way of your development. Also, you need to befriend a lawyer. That's very key. Especially lawyers that are very, very vast in entertainment law. Also, you know, by working with a lawyer, you understand that contracts and split sheets are very central. They help you keep records. They help you track streams of incomes. And, uh, you know, it puts you on a very good foot in there. You know, you're not just working to scatter the seeds. You're working to gather <laughs> to gather wealth. You're trying to create wealth. You're trying to build a legacy for yourself yeah. years down the line. Because a lot of popular people now, some of them will be in a better place, some of them will fall off. So you need to be very careful. Because trust me, a more talented record producer straight out of secondary school, straight out of uni is coming. You know, you have to be able to set yourself up in a place that, oh, Maybe you want to be the next Quincy Jones, you want to be the next um, Dr. Dre, you want to be the next Timberland or Diddy. Even when you're not winning as a creative, you're winning on the business side of things. Maybe as a record producer, you were so, so good, maybe for 10 years, and you're able to just set up a production company, sign up new producers, have like three producers, sign them up, everything they create for like two, three years, you have an interest, then you let them go, you know, keep working on your brand, marketing, placing yourself in important projects. And I think that's the way to go.
0: Okay. Finally, before we go on to the fun random questions, can you speak on Nigerian music generally and what you predict, even though you're not a Sutsaya, will be trends in 2018? Nigerian
1: industry is going to get better and bigger. December 2017 was a testament to what this industry can be a lot of people came up with their own production a lot of people came up with their own shows a lot of them came up with new ways to connect with their fans events also the quality of the music is getting better the videos and a lot of cross-atlantic collaborations occurring oh, well. you seen know, same pictures of techno and drake already we've conquered africa and we should not be too comfortable with that we should do more so i think if if we're getting a lot of collaborations before shout out from international musicians if we're getting like 10 before i'm thinking it'll quadruple now we'll be getting 40 50 I predict that a lot of corporate Nigerian deals, a lot of brand association with top musicians, it will kind of double because I think we're moving out of a recession, oil prices going up, there'll be a trickle down effect. Marketing budgets will somehow come into the industry more. A lot of people will get, entertainment lawyers like
0: me <laughs> 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 a lot of people who pay attention yeah.
1: will, the money should flow a lot of songwriters should get paid record producers should get paid and i also forecast that there'll still be a lot of people who wouldn't do business in that way i was very privy to a transaction last year where a record producer was very instrumental in breaking an artist an international song and you know this international deal came that song was actually what fetched that international deal mm-hmm. and when the deal came the artist was like "Baba, they won't collect this song and behind my back that song was assigned to the international record label without paying a dime and the wow. record producer just exchanged the interest in that song for a collaboration with the artist, which was very lame <laughs> because you, you were not getting paid uh, as far as I know. Or maybe you got paid, but you maybe you kicked the lawyer out of the transaction or you got money at the back. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, a lot of record producers will still keep making that mistake. Please. Try to take care of business so that when these international record labels come and they do deals, you are able to stand your feet like, I still want my publishing, I still want a piece of the pie. Because there's always a budget for every record. Everyone signed up to a Sony Music or an international label, there's a budget for producers. So don't shortchange yourself Mm -hmm. for the now. Think of how much money you can earn down the line. Mm-hmm. And I forecast that they said some of these international labels, international music companies are now in Nigeria. Maybe we would have more, or maybe for the first time, we would have one of these international music publishing companies come mm-hmm. set up shop in mm-hmm. Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. That would be interesting to see. Looking yeah. forward to all that 2018 has to offer. Now let's
0: go on to the fun, random questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. First question. I'm ready. <laughs> first question is. Who is your favorite comedian
1: in Nigeria? Kenny Black. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's my client.
0: Epico, Epico, Epico. Let's go. Too much. Yeah. Now, if you could own any sport team, which one would it be?
1: Barcelona, I mean, Catalonia. I'm not into
0: soccer, so. Oh. I'm just like listen. <laughs> okay, cool. Barcelona. Third question is: if you were forced to give up one of your five senses, which one, one of my five senses,
1: which one would you choose? Hmm. I don't know. I've never given that a thought. Uh maybe smell. Smell? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I still wanna to touch. Yeah. I still wanna see. Still wanna hear. Maybe smell. So there are some people that can't really smell. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I think smell is a good choice because you know, every every other thing well, is but working. But is food still going to be sexy, like But you but you know that it tastes good. You can still taste. Okay. So I understand? True, true. You can still taste. It's just that like you can't smell mm-hmm. the you know like I'll miss the smell of a bedindi. But <laughs> you know well, I know our that it's huh? I've never had Afang, function so I don't think okay, I have. Really. Okay. Maybe i will try that before I leave. Final question is what character trait are you currently trying to improve?
1: Um, I think um I want to be able to focus more on things that are more productive. I understand that my passion for certain things gets in the way of being able to easily sift. You have to be able to conserve your energy and direct the energy you have into the most profitable endeavors. So I think that's something that I'm constantly working on and I hope I get better especially with 2018. So things that profit me on the long term or in the short term I'm able to address squarely.
0: The SNC podcast is produced by Fala Shade Anosier and Tommy Wafawomi. To ensure that you do not miss out on subsequent episodes you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud or wherever you get your podcasts. So that's T-H-E- S N C P O D C A S T. We are also active on Twitter and Instagram at the same name. Alternatively, I am on Twitter at Shade Nonconform. Till next week, cheers.